mobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back to Gone Mobile. This episode is being recorded on June 5th, 2014. So there were a few big announcements recently from Xamarin, and, and right at the center of that was the, the release of Xamarin Forms, which is definitely a, a significant new piece in the Xamarin story and, and definitely will get bigger as time goes on. I mean, obviously, this is something that we needed to dig into pretty deep on this podcast right away. So we're super excited to have Jason Smith here with us tonight, one of the, the principal engineers on the project. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, this is this is really exciting stuff, and I'm I'm sure it's just as exciting on your end. You know, finally getting to be um, finally being able to talk about all this stuff and see people using it. Uh, yeah, we're really excited to be out of stealth mode. We've been in there for 18 months or so, and you know, getting it out and into the world has been a big big thing for us. Yeah, well, congratulations on that. So um, yeah, just to kick things off, let's start off with the the super basics and then dig in deeper from there. So you know, in a nutshell, like what is Xamarin Forms? Xamarin Forms is a cross-platform abstraction layer for creating mobile application UIs on all three different platforms, be that Windows Phone, Android, or iOS. Um, and it, it's also a uh, it's a patterns library. It's it's a way to create your application in, in a way that lets you share as much of that. Uh, that business logic as possible. So things like navigation can all be in your business logic. Um, and we support the MVVM pattern, uh, which we think is really important and is a, is a really good pattern for implementing mobile apps. And, you know, that comes with supporting things like data binding and all that kind of fun stuff. Right. So this actually, I mean, it, it's a really interesting thing to see this coming out of Xamarin. Um, because I, you know, the the Xamarin approach for all these years has been very much not to to touch the UI layer, and it seems like you're, you know, it's starting to leak up into that area, but in a very careful manner. So, like, what what about this um, made Xamarin, like you guys at Xamarin, decide that this was something that you needed to uh, venture into? Well, it was kind of a a natural decision um, when we were looking at this almost two years ago. Uh, there were a couple things going on in the company, and uh, there was some pressure to try to look at monotouch.dialog and bring that over to Android and try to make those APIs consistent. And at the same time, I was working on the, the Xamarin Studio team, building this, uh, this animation engine for creating all the new animations that were in Xamarin 2.0. Uh, if you remember when that came out, it came out with you know the whole new interface at that time. Um, and as I was looking at this and looking at the needs of the the idea of doing this monotouch.dialog across you know multiple platforms, I realized, well, hold on a second, I can actually just plug in the uh, the mobile backends to the thing that I've been writing, which was you know written as a scene graph, so it was easy to plug in backends. And a day or two later, I had this thing that had you know images and buttons on screen, and I could animate them around, and it worked on all platforms. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was kind of like the genesis of of where that started coming from, and you know, it was you know Miguel coming together and wanting to do those that cross platform bit, and my having this pre built thing that almost already had like the beginnings of how this could work. Cool. So then, so the like, how is what's actually happening then? Um, you know, when you're using Xamarin Forms in an application, like how is the UI being created? Does it happen at, at compile time or is it uh, more of a runtime thing? It's kind of a, um, it, it's a shared responsibility. So the platform selection happens at compile time. Uh, the NuGet package actually selects what platform to, to target, right? Um, and, and it does that by seeing what platform you installed into. 
but the actual selection of what control is backed by what particular uh, Xamarin.Forms view is done at runtime, and that's done through a declarative syntax that we use. You basically attribute your assemblies, and it tells you, okay, we're going to associate this control with that native control. So it's actually uh, using the, the native controls to represent things on each individual platform then? Oh, yeah, it's 100% native. There is no drawing code in Xamarin.Forms at all, except in the cases where, you know, you expect it, like you set the background to be red. Right. So if, if some of this stuff is happening at runtime, is there any kind of uh, overhead or performance penalty that you hit, or is it pretty small? The performance penalty is a startup penalty. So we, we kind of build the cache at startup. And then, uh, and then after that, it's really just a dictionary lookup. Um, and so originally we had done this through using approaches similar to what MEF uses or, or other different frameworks that try to do these associations. Um, and we were finding that we were hitting this wall where it was chugging in like 300 milliseconds into startup time and we just couldn't get it lower. Um, and then one day we realized, oh, if we just put all the attributes on the assembly, then we don't have to load all the types and all the assemblies. And we were down to like three milliseconds and we said, good enough. Oh, that's... That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> so what kind of controls um, are accessible to Xamarin Forms apps? Like you talk about rendering native controls on each individual platform. Is there sort of a, a lowest common denominator then of the controls you can use? So a lot of people, when they look at mobile platforms, they're like, all right, if I'm doing something cross-platform, I'm getting this lowest common denominator. And there's really kind of like two approaches historically that you could take to cross-platform. You could take... Uh, the web approach, which everybody is kind of familiar with and knows, um, I'm not going to go into. And then there was like this lowest common denominator where you would take all the different platforms and then you would just kind of see, okay, what is like the common subset that I can identify and use? And the problem with that is, is the common subset is A, it's still pretty big, and B, it, it's not going to get everything you need. Um, so what we said was, we're not even going to go for lowest common denominator. We're going to go even lower than that. And we're just going to give you just the basics of what you need. So we're going to give you buttons, images, uh, labels, uh, you know, switches, sliders, and all that stuff. But we're not going to like expose drawing APIs. We're not going to expose the event. Uh, we're going to expose event handling, but we're not going to like expose a whole like event tree that happens. Um, and what we're going to do instead is we're going to give you access to that native code when you need it. Um, so yeah, but most of the basics are there and you can add your own. That's the important thing. You can add your own. Right. So that's, that's the part that, I, um, I'm super curious about as well. So like, I know, I know that it's being built as, you know, you can kind of mix and match and you can have some, some forms pages and some native pages in your app. Like how does the, the interplay between, you know, a, a forms UI and a non forms UI work on the, on the different platforms? Uh, so there's basically two ways I can go. It's either you're embedding forms into a native app that's like pre-existing, or you're taking some um, standard API stuff into forms. Um, and those are kind of different stories, but kind of similar. To bring, if you were in the example of having like a shiny map control you'd already made on all the platforms, um, you wrap that into a forms model, and then you can export the renderers. And uh, we have a nice video on how to do that, actually. Um, but it's it's about, in its simplest sense, about 10 lines of code. Um, and then when you look at uh, embedding 
native into form or sorry, forms into native. Currently, we only support doing that at the page level. So you can embed a whole page or a view controller essentially. Um, but as we move forward, uh, the intention is to make that more and more granular. Okay. Um, so then like, what's the, the story there around, um, like what, where's the line that you guys draw between like where, you know, what you can customize between the different platforms. Like, let's say like, there's the obvious stuff of, you know, if you have a button in your, your form and you style, you style it to look and act like a button. Well, not act like a button. It would be a, an actual native button on each platform. Um, but what if you wanted to take it a couple steps further and really customize how a particular element or our piece of the form behaves or, or shows up on the screen? Like, uh, how much extensibility is there? Uh, when you get down to like an individual, let's say you have like a, like you said, you want to make this button really nice looking. Um, you have multiple things you can do. Uh, the simplest things you can do is there are some, some simple properties you can set. You can set the rounding radius, the border color, the border width, that kind of stuff. But it's not that useful because, well, it's, it's useful, but it's not going to cover a lot of cases because it's just not hitting every API available to you. Um, and then you can go one step further and you can say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make a custom renderer. And a custom renderer is a way to basically get access to that native button that we create. And you, you basically subclass the renderer we create. And then uh, you'll have access to the button that we've created. And you can do whatever you want to it. You can go access the CA layer. You can change the background drawable on Android. You can do whatever you want. Um, so at that point, and, and, you have access to the, the actual native platform's button implementation everywhere on, on each of your renderers? Yeah, you have access to the native button on the platform and the ability to make all the standard API calls you're used to making. And obviously, they're going to work. What about a, a case like, I know early on doing uh, table views on iOS when performance was a lot more of a concern in the earlier hardware days, I would start dropping down and doing some like custom drawing of cells and stuff. Is there a way to do that in your custom renderers? Uh, cells are, you can create your own cell renderers right now. You can also create what we call a view cell, which basically lets you embed standard controls into cells. Um, and this, then you can then do your own custom drawing in that way. Um, so you, you can drop down to like core animation at that point if you need to? Well, yeah, you can totally drop down into as low as you need to go with the cells. Um, yeah. So then, I mean, you, you've been talking about, you know, some of the, you're trying to define, you know, different like cross-platform patterns and, you know, different interaction patterns and, and forms and things like that. Like, what are some of the, the layouts and controls that ship in the box for Xamarin forms that you can just kind of use right away? Yeah, actually, layouts, layouts were a, a particular problem for us initially because we had to look and say, how are we going to solve the fact that all the three platforms use different layouting systems. They they work completely differently. Um, what we ended up doing was saying, okay, we're going to interact with their layout systems, but we're going to provide some pre-built ones that just work on top of those um, on top of those systems rather than try to use the built-in layouts. Um, and so we provided things like a stack layout, which is like if you're familiar with WPF, it's just like a stack panel. We provided a grid, which is if you're familiar with WPF, it's just like a grid. Um, there's a relative layout which lets you use expressions to define relative relations between different uh, children of the layout. 
Um, and there's an absolute layout, which is exactly what it sounds like. It just absolutely positions things. Um, those are the primary layouts. There's also a couple one-offs, like things that there's a content view, which contains just a single child, so you can add padding and a background color, and you know, it's really just there for convenience. So with layouts like, uh, like say, the, the stack layout or something, like how much control do you get? Is it, does it have to be um, a vertical or horizontal list, or can you kind of get even deeper than that, like say the kind of things that you can do with a, a collection view on iOS as compared to you know just a standard grid view or, or list view? We don't have something that's quite akin to a collection view. You can subclass layout directly and just lay out your children however you want. Um, that's available to you. Um, but there's nothing that's like a pre-built, virtualized, arbitrarily laid out um, control, which is what a collection view essentially is. Right. Um, so then besides the, the different layouts, what are some of the, the standard controls that, that ship in the box? Um, actually, I got a big old list of them. Um, so we, we have a... Let me pull up the list. Uh, there's um, the activity indicator, which is kind of like the spinner. There's a box view, which is obviously just a box. We mainly use it for debugging purposes. Um, there's buttons. There's uh, several different cells, which sell text cell. Um, there's an image cell, an entry cell, and uh, obviously the view cell we talked about. There's an editor, which is a multi-line text entry, an entry, which is a single-line text entry. Um, there is uh, an image, a label, a list, which is a, uh, or it's called a list view, um, which is going to be like the primary uh, uh, element people will use to actually display lists of items. Um, if you're familiar with iOS terminology, this backs down to UI table view. Um, there's a map. Uh, there's a uh, date picker and a time picker and just a normal picker. Uh, those are kind of like combo boxes. Um, there's progress bars. There are sliders, scroll views, search bars, steppers, switches, toolbars, and then uh, there's a web view. Oh, and there's an OpenGL view, but it doesn't work on Windows Phone. <laughs> so basically, pretty much every kind of standard UI control you could think of is is in there. Yeah, the biggest one we've been getting a lot of, like, why don't you have this yet, is the uh, the um, this. Ah, why can't I think of the name? The uh, the button that's split on iOS. Um, oh, the the, control. the seg the segmented Thank control. Thank you. Yes, yeah. the segment. <laughs> Um, so, oh, how, how dare you guys not ship with one of those? Well, there wasn't a direct <laughs> parallel on the other platforms. Yeah. Did you find that, that kind of problem, did you find that kind of situation to be a, a general problem as you were building out Xamarin Forms of having to, to really mesh together these three different platforms that do things in kind of their own ways? Yeah, there is a lot of challenge in trying to mesh those together. Um, you know, especially when you look at uh, Windows Phone and the other platforms. You know, Android and iOS are, for all their differences, they have a lot of similarities, right? Their their navigation paradigms aren't that different. Their the way they do tabs isn't that different, um, and they generally have a fairly similar set of controls. And people tend to customize the crap out of the UIs on both of them. 
Um, when you look at Windows Phone, uh, the navigation paradigm is completely different. Uh, they have this panorama idea. This uh, pivot is essentially tabs, but not exactly the same. Um, and they have uh, they don't support any of the complex navigation scenarios that you'll see on the other platforms, where they do like partial page navigation and things like that. Windows Phone, it's like full page or nothing. Um, and so we had to like figure out how do we identify these to users and, and make them work. And sometimes it was, okay, well, we won't do it. Or sometimes we'll make a note in the documentation and say, when you do this on Windows Phone, it's going to look a little different. And so you need to uh, account for that in your code. And we do give you a way to account for that and say, okay, when I'm on the Windows Phone platform, I want to do this instead. And what would that look like if you, if you were in your code? Is that is that what you were talking about earlier with building out custom renderers? Or is there a, a lower overhead way of kind of just diving in for a specific platform like that? You can just check what platform you're running on in the cross-platform code and modify the way you lay out your pages. Uh, there, there's no... We, we do expose to you what platform you're on. Okay. Um and like as a so let's say that I'm I'm trying to get started as a as a new a new developer you know looking to use Xamarin Forms. I mean, what does the the project structure look like if I'm trying to target let's say iOS, Android, and Windows Phone? Uh, so you actually have a a choice here. You can you're going to get four projects either way. You're going to get kind of a, a cross platform project where your applications code will tend to live, and then you'll get uh, three platforms uh, three platform specific projects, one for each platform. Um, and, and those platform-specific projects are mostly just boilerplate. They're there to make sure that the platform understands it, that you can right-click and say, set this as a startup project. Um, but they're also there for you to stick the custom renderers into because they're the only place that have access to the platform-specific APIs. Um, so you will occasionally go into there and stick in some code, but not a lot. Most of the time, you're going to be living in the, the cross-platform project, and that project is either going to be a shared asset project, which is a new thing Microsoft came out with recently in Visual Studio 2013 Update 2. And uh, Xamarin Studio supports it now, too, which is fabulous. And uh, then you can also use a more traditional PCL. Um, and there's pros and cons to both. I mean, can you elaborate on what the, the pros and cons might be, at, at least in the scope of what, you know, a Xamarin Forms application? Yeah, uh, so one of the major pros of uh, the Shared Asset Project is you can put your renderer or your, your custom renderers can actually live in that project now, too. You have to if-def them, but uh, all that code can live in that Shared Asset Project now. Um, whether or not you want to do that is up to you. Um, it's also going to give you a fuller... Uh, uh, you, you'll have a fuller access to the APIs on those on the uh, of the .NET framework. You won't be limited by PCL. Um, so when you're when you're writing code, if all three platforms happen to support an API you want to use, it will work just fine. Um, even if the PCL profile that targets all three doesn't support that, um, and, and that's essentially because what this is is it's a it's a codified or glorified way of doing uh, file linking. And so if you've done file linking in the past when you're sharing code, you know kind of what you're dealing with. It's not that different from file linking. Um, with PCL, the upside is you're never going to code yourself into a corner where you realize you've written a whole bunch of code that doesn't work on one of your platforms um, because you know that it won't compile without it working in all three places. Um, 
but you know, you're you're obviously limited by those things we discussed with the shared asset project. So changing gears a little bit, you mentioned uh, early on that you had done some work that was kind of the precursor to Forms Library with animations and stuff. Is there some kind of common API then in, in Xamarin Forms for defining and describing an animations in your apps? Oh yeah, that was the first API that existed. <laughs> uh, there, there is an animation class um, which lets you put together storyboard-like animations. You can kind of build animations, compose them together, and uh, it, it's a simple. Uh, it's a simpler API than what you're going to find on a lot of platforms. It doesn't support all the crazy features. Um, but the nice thing is we do map it down to uh, the correct platform-specific animation implementations. Um, so it works fairly well. And then we also provide some simpler animation APIs. Uh, so like if you have a view, you can tell it to fade to zero, and that will have it fade out over a, you know, you can pass it a length of time and an easing, and it'll follow that path and command. And you can compose those together as well. So then just mostly like simpler an animations for the views, like you can move views around, I'm, I'm guessing, and stuff like that. You can move them, rotate them, fade them, scale them. Well, that sounds nice uh, compared to trying to do it in, in Android. I mean, iOS is a, a pretty good uh, way to do it, but uh, Android I've always found is a little bit tedious for doing simple animations. Yeah, Android was a little bit tedious to get to work with the animation. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually going to be my next question, kind of similar to the question before. I and mean, animations, I have to imagine, are are a difficult beast to to abstract away in, in, in this kind of way. Did you, did you find that across all the platforms? Yeah, um... The most difficult thing was identifying when we could actually map down to like a simpler API call. Uh, iOS is a good example of this. Um, if, if we tell it to uh, rotate a view 90 degrees over 250 milliseconds, obviously there's a, there's a pre-built animation in iOS that does this, more or less. Um, you don't need to hook up to like a CA display link and manually rotate the thing, right? But if you define an easing that iOS doesn't happen to define, well, now you do. Um, so we had to identify when you could do that and when we just used a CA display link to run the animation. Turns out performance difference was almost negligible anyway, so maybe some wasted work there. Um, but we did that for all the platforms. We looked at... Um, uh, Android uh, hooking into their built-in animations, and for the life of me, I can't rem remember the name of their animation system. And um, Windows Phone is probably the most uh, kind of put together one in terms of uh, you know they, they, it isn't fully hooked into their system yet. Gotcha. Um, so, kind of uh, switching gears again, like. Moving away from the, the UI part of the story a little bit, I'm also curious about the, the MVVM kind of architecture that, that you guys put in underneath the whole thing. I mean, is this, uh, could this be considered an MVVM system that you can use outside of, like independently of a, a forms page or a forms application, or is it really meant to be used kind of in tandem with, with forms? Well, you can't really use it independently of forms for one reason, and that's and most MVVM systems require some kind of common base class to perform the bindings. Um, you, you'll find systems like MVVM Cross that find ways to work around this, um, and they've done brilliant work in that area. 
Um, but for the most part, what you find is you need these common base uh, classes so that you can then uh, store the binding values and provide the basic implementations of get value and set value and whatever else you need. Um, so in our case, that is a, a base class called a bindable object, um, which doesn't really have anything to do with the UI other than all the UI elements are based on it. Um, so if you took that, yeah, you can mostly write an independent MVVM application without touching the rest of forms. I don't know that you'd really want to. Well, I guess the, the, the use case I'm thinking of in my head is, uh, you know, the case where you're kind of mixing and matching between form screens in your app and native screens. But but to me, and a lot of the applications that I'm writing, um, having as much of the behavior down at the view model layer is is huge for, for just portability up. Uh, portability and testability and that kind of thing. So I would, that's why I was wondering about the ability to do, say, data binding, you know, outside of forms controls themselves. So one of the things you can do is if you add, say, written an app in MVVM and you want to port some of it to forms, right, all of your models and view models obviously come over. Um, and you define the data bindings in the XAML for Xamarin Forms or, or in the view code that you write. Um, and then you leave your MVVM data bindings in for your MVVM views. Um, and they will properly, they should properly propagate values back and forth between the view models and the views, both in the MVVM world and in the, the uh, forms world. But what you won't be able to do is bind directly between a forms view and an MVVM cross view. Okay, that, I think that makes sense. So then, so you're saying that like, is the XAML that's provided or that's used in Xamarin Forms apps then uh, the same XAML that would be used on any other platform? Uh, well, it's XAML's a language. It's not, well, until Microsoft renamed WPF XAML. Um, <laughs> XAML was a language. It, it's, a, it's a syntax for declaring a object graph, essentially, and properties and that kind of thing. No different than XML. Um, in fact, it is XML. Um, and what we did was we said, okay, we love the way XAML works. We love the way that you can declare UI, use bindings, and all that stuff. And the only thing we really changed is we said, okay, we're not going to use the Silverlight namespace. We're going to use the Xamarin Forms namespace. So when you use XAML with Xamarin Forms, instead of a stack panel, you're going to use a stack layout. Instead of a, you know, a page, you're probably going to come in and, and subclass a content page. Um, so it, it's different names, but the concepts are the same. The way it works is the same. You still have access to, you know, resources, and, and you can set bindings, and you can use, you know, static values all you want. And uh, we support up to XAML 2009, um, with the exception of triggers and behaviors are not in yet. Are those in the, the planning stages? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um. Okay, like, what was the, the main reason that you guys had for, for going with XAML instead of doing, you know, either like another markup language or, or just something non-markup related at all? Was it the familiarity of uh, that Windows developers might already have with it, or did you find it to be a really good fit overall? I think there were three key things. One, XAML was designed from the ground up for MVVM. And... And so that means that when you look at XAML in an MVVM app, and we knew very early MVVM was a model that we wanted to support. Uh, in fact, that was probably the second decision made on this project altogether. Um, so, so we knew we wanted to do that. 
and uh, we we knew that XAML supported that very well. And then we did uh, our public or no our, our private beta, and in the private beta, a gentleman by the name of Stefan Delcroix kind of stepped out and said, "Hey, I've implemented this XAML parser for Xamarin Forms, and it produces like you know uh, backend code and." Uh, an object graph and everything, and we were like, "Wow, that's awesome!" So uh, we contracted him to finish it, and he did. And uh, lo and behold, suddenly we have XAML support, and it was fabulous. <laughs> that's a good way to get the support. <laughs> uh, is there a, a designer story at all, or is this basically you know you just kind of find out at runtime currently what it what things look like? Uh, obviously, a designer is something we're looking into. Uh, there's no reasonable fashion we could have gotten it done in like this time frame designers are hard <laughs> I, I imagine you guys have learned that lesson a few times by yeah. now <laughs> um, fortunately we have a bit of expertise building them now so then I we mentioned before the you mentioned MVVM cross and you know there's other MVVM frameworks out there like MVVM Lite or Reactive UI. Like what is the what is the potential for kind of interoperability between these different frameworks? Like is there does Xamarin Forms expose any of its say binding engine or or allow you to kind of plug in your own things so that you could maybe you know, form a, a bridge between these frameworks, or is that kind of a difficult task? Currently, the binding engine in Xamarin Forms is closed. It's it's not available for uh, extending or replacing. Um, and, th- and that wasn't so much a decision, so much as we looked at it and said, okay, we don't have time to make sure that that API is ready to be supported full forever, right? And um, you know, but it's it's also not something we're opposed to. Um, when we look at other frameworks, MVVM cross, unfortunately, we're just basically not compatible with um, at least like the, the core key aspects of it. You can use a lot of the services they provide and continue to use their like IOC containers and their message passing services, and that all works fine. Um, but like the core of it, they're not compatible. The binding systems aren't. Um, MVVM Lite is really a framework about providing all the utilities you need to do MVVM. It's not so much a a binding framework. It's like one layer up from that. It's about all the other stuff you need. And, um, and that works fine. And, and it works really well. And uh, we like it. Now, you mentioned earlier um, that this sort of came out of trying to, to look at monotouch.dialog and see about porting that to other platforms. Now, is this basically then a successor to monotouch.dialog? Like, do we, do we need it anymore? Can we do this... Uh, everything we need with that instead it is in some ways a successor um monotouch at dialogue at least in the table area is more mature it's got a little more it's it's more featureful it's uh it, it does a little more stuff um but on the flip side it doesn't support things like bindings it doesn't support a lot of the different things we do you can't template things you can't all that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, as we move forward, the idea is that Monotouch Dialogs features will be completely integrated into the uh, Xamarin Forms tables and list views. Um, you know, with the exception of wherever it doesn't make sense to do that. So, like one of the things I, I think of immediately is in iOS, where you have like a searchable table view. 
um, and you know, like your pull to refresh control and all that kind of stuff sitting in your table view controller, um, which essentially monotouch.dialog is. Um, is, is that stuff that's already implemented in Xamarin Forms, or is that something that you'd have to sort of manually do uh, in the layout yourself right now? Um, some of it you have to manually do. Uh, uh, James Montemagno actually just did a demo on implementing pull to refresh on iOS with Xamarin Forms. Um, he went in and did the custom renderer. It's actually not a lot of code to do that kind of thing. Um, but I, I will say that certainly pull to refresh, swipe to delete, those kinds of things are totally on our plate. We're looking at them. We're wanting to do them. Um, so, you know, if there was something you were doing with monotouch.dialog, chances are we've looked at it and gone, yeah, we should probably do that. <laughs> Makes sense. So, I mean, anyone that, that's kind of heard me talk for long enough has probably heard me bring up, you know, the ideas of, of testing apps and, and that kind of thing. And as I mentioned earlier, that's always one of the, the big things that, that draws me to patterns like MVVM into the apps that I'm writing. I mean, what is the, the testing story around view models and and pages in your application in general? Uh, well, you actually have quite a few testing options available to you that wouldn't normally be available to you. First, if you go kind of the PCL route with your with your core API, you can actually test that PCL library without ever touching any of the three platforms, which means you can new up all your view models. You can test all the data binding layers, make sure everything kind of propagates back and forth through correctly. Um, that when you you know interact with certain elements that the correct uh, actions are reflected back into your database, that kind of thing. Um, and that's that's a really nice thing to be able to do and you just run that on top of .NET. you don't have to you know fire up a device or anything to do that. Um, and then but that's only part of the story when you talk about testing, right that's that's unit testing for the most part and maybe some, basic integration testing. But at some point, you need to actually get the app on device and make sure it's working. Because um, if you don't, it's not going to work. <laughs> so so what you do is uh, we, we do have a UI testing framework, uh, Calabash. And uh, internally, we use Calabash quite heavily to perform validation of our own work. And I believe it's a very good solution for doing like end-to-end -end testing on your device. Cool. And then, you know, kind of going hand in hand with, with testing is usually um, like the, the Xamarin forms and the, the MVVM framework underneath it give you any uh, any of the some of the common services that a lot of frameworks give you, like dependency injection and say like a message broker and things like that. Or is any of that or, or any of those things in the box? There are a couple of those things in the box. Uh, we provide a very basic dependency injection service. Um, we call it the dependency service. Um, it's not going to you know support everything under the sun that you need to do with dependency injection. We expect a lot of people will over time outgrow it. Um, but it's there to kind of like bootstrap you, get you off the ground. And then when you need to move into a bigger and better dependency injection service, there's things like tiny IOC out there that are there to you know get you through. If you need to go full meth, go full meth. Um, <laughs> full meth. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> um, and we have... Um, we, we do have a messaging center and actually rather like the messaging center. It's uh, it's strongly typed with the string that you provide as the name and then the types of the parameters you provide. And then you can pass messages back and forth. And it's a, it's just a messaging bus that, you know, has a pub sub kind of uh, pattern to it. 
Yeah, I've always found that, you know, a, a super basic IOC framework mixed with a super basic, you know, event aggregator really goes a long way. Like, you, in, especially in the kind of apps that you're doing in mobile apps, you don't need super heavy handed stuff. You just need, you know, basic separation. Like, yeah, that. we spent a fair bit of time mobile optimizing these. So, you know, when you use, when you use them, you're going to see things that are occasionally like, well, why is this an assembly attribute? Well, because turns out we can load those a lot faster and we didn't want to waste your time. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so are there any any current plans to, to bring this onto other platforms or are you mainly focused on uh, these three for now? Unfortunately, I can't comment on platform roadmap. Yeah, I figured that was probably the case, but you know, I got to try. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so just like a more a more general point just to kind of to bring it bring it all home you know, as it were. So you know, UI abstractions are always kind of a, a tricky game to play. And, you know, a lot of frame, a lot of frameworks in the past have, have tried to draw that line in, in different spots. Um, and that's why I was, it's so interesting for me to see Xamarin kind of, you know, take, you know, dip a, a toe in the water and, and really try and do something there. Like what makes, what in your eyes makes Xamarin forms different than some of the other frameworks out there that have, have tried and done a poor job at abstracting that? Um, I think uh, there's, two key things. The first one is um, the team really, really cares about platform distinction. Um, we, we've always said just because you have a cross-platform API does not excuse you from caring about the platform-specific user experience. Right? You, you can't just say, because I can say new button and I get a button on all three platforms, that necessarily that's the correct thing to do. You sometimes have to make decisions and, and care about what it should look like on each platform. Um, and the other thing is we have this foundation of Xamarin where we have C-sharp everywhere. Um, so we were able to do something that nobody else was able to really do, which was to say, e even though you're writing with a cross-platform API, it's, it's really just a cross-platform API. There's no like compiler voodoo magic that then turns that into, you know, something else that runs on that specific platform. There's no... There's no like JIT bridge that goes across to JavaScript or anything like that. All it is is a very simple abstraction layer. And so we made it possible for you to get out of that abstraction layer and use that native code, which means that, A, we didn't have to provide everything under the sun in an effort to make you be able to build a reasonable app. We only had to provide enough for you to be able to be much more productive, right? Um, because when you hit that wall, when you use a cross-platform framework, you will hit that wall of, I can't do the thing I want to do in the cross-platform code. And once you hit that wall, you can escape. You can get into the native code and do the thing you need to do. And it's not a lot of hassle. Right. So I, I think that, um, you know, that was a pretty good overview of Xamarin Forms in general. And is there anything that you think we, we missed or that you, you definitely want our, our listeners to know um, about Xamarin Forms or, or this kind of approach in general? Uh, I don't know. Try it out. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, one of the best feedbacks we've gotten from people is I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Um, so yeah, give it a run. Just see what it takes to get an app up on all three platforms without you know having to learn all three platforms. <laughs> Do you actually find that it's see the the last part of your your sentence there is interesting of the the having to learn all three platforms. Have you found in a lot of the apps that you've built? using this, uh, that it actually helps you avoid learning the platforms? What it helps you avoid is having to learn 
the minutiae of the platform. So like I'll get into it and I'll be going along and all of a sudden I'm like, I want this image to have a drop shadow. Well, for me, that's just Google on all three platforms, how to add a drop shadow. It doesn't take that long by comparison to having to learn the entire suite of APIs first. That's kind of how I feel about the animations too. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I think that makes for uh, an awesome show. Thanks so much, Jason, for, for joining us. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, thanks, Jason. All right. And thanks everyone for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile. Uh,